الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفر ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلله فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله ارسله بالحق بشيرا ونذيرا بين يدي الساعه من يطع الله ورسوله فقد رشد ومن يعصهما فلا يضر الا لنفسه ولا يضر الله شيئا يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن الا وانتم مسلمون يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم اعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما يا ايها الذين امنوا ادخلوا في السلم كافه ولا تتبعوا خطوات الشيطان انه لكم عدو مبين Indeed, it's the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that despite all that is happening around us, we are still connected with the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through these congregational prayers, uh, uh, ceremonies and events to remind ourselves the eternal message that inna hudallahi huwal huda, that the guidance is the guidance that comes only from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is the simplest message that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shared with humanity that وَإِمَّا يَأْتِيَنَّكَ مِنِّي هُدًا فَمَنْ تَبِعَ هُدَيَا فَلَا خَوْفٌ عَلَيْهِمْ وَلَا هُمْ يَعْزُنُونَ That you would have access to the divine guidance. It is your responsibility to find where that divine guidance is. And when you would follow that divine guidance, you will have nothing to worry and nothing to fear in this life and the life hereafter as well. And this is what Prophet ﷺ, along with all other prophets who came before him, communicated to humanity. But the credit to ensure that each and every word of the divine guidance is preserved not only in human memory, but also in writing, goes only to Prophet ﷺ, the one who is described as Rahmatul Lil Alameen. He assured us that uh, a day will come when each one of us will be raised once again to be held accountable for what we have done and what we have said. Everyone would have to leave this world and everyone will have to be told You were writing in the book that was given to you when you came to this life and now is the time to read it and your destination will be determined on that basis. He also reminded us that those people who are God-conscious, who act in a responsible manner in this world will indeed be successful not only in this life but in the life hereafter as well. Raising children is a concern of almost all religions, all cultures, all ethnicities, all groups. And everyone has its own way of passing on its own traditions, its own culture, its own values to the younger generation. Quran, the divine guidance, does not only give guidance to Muslims but to all human beings in that respect as well. And that is what 
we heard when the director of the Islamic Center was reciting the surat, verses from Surah Luqman. It was an, an allusion to the fact that Luqman, who was not from that area and who was not a prophet described as a prophet in the Quran, his advice to his son was recorded in the Quran as an example that there are certain values that each religion, each community, and each group must focus on and they should try to raise their children accordingly. But there is uh, something else also in relation to the child raising or child rearing. It was one of the well-known Islamic scholars, Ibn al-Qayyim al-Jawzi, whose name was Shams al-Din, who was a disciple of Ibn Taymiyyah and who lived in the 12th century and he also spent time in prison with Ibn Taymiyyah. When the time of the marriage of his daughter came, he thought of giving her a gift. And very quietly, he wrote a book that he gave her on the day of her wedding. The name of the book was Tuhfatul Wudud Bi Ihkamil Maulud. That's a gift from the one who loves you in relation to the rules of raising children. And in the 16th chapter of that particular book, that book is all about how to raise children. That book is how to do it. And it is a very comprehensive book. And it follows the methodology that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us human beings, not just Muslims, human beings, to understand anything. And that methodology is that when you are trying to apply the divine guidance, you must try to understand the sciences of your time and then based on your understanding of the sciences at that particular time not just the fiqh not just the hadith not just the quran but all every everything that is related with that subject or that issue then make a decision make a policy make a program and plan to do that kind of thing so Ibn al-Qayyim al-Jawzi looked at the issue of rearing child not only from what Luqman told his son, not only from what the traditions were, but also from the perspective of developmental psychology, from the perspective of biology, from the per perspective of anatomy, from the perspective of sociology, psychology, and the parental responsibilities. And he came up with the, some guidelines. And he says that the process of raising children begins with the choice of spouses. 
You're saying something very profound that certainly when the uh, couple gets married, they should have clear understanding about the formation of the family, the responsibilities that they would have, the values that they share, and the way they would lead their life. It is not just uh, something that happens uh, for the sake of happening, it is something that has to be planned and that has to be done very uh, methodologically. Then he says that uh, the pregnancy, when it happens, must be cared for and every effort should be min maintained and should be done to ensure that the health of the pregnant mother is secured and every kind of facility in terms of psychology, in terms of the social bringing, in terms of nutrition should be taken into consideration. And then he says that uh, the environment should be conducive. Then he says that uh, when, and he probably, you know, concluded the same thing that the modern sciences is telling us that in the fourth, fifth, or fifth or sixth or seventh week of uh, the, the uh, conception, the neural tube is developed and the uh, hearing is bestowed to the fetus. He says that that is the time to be very careful in terms of taking care of the one. And he says that that is a time when the mother and the father and other members of the family or other people who are part of that family should ensure that the mother is happy, should ensure that the mother is well nutritioned, and should ensure that the mother always makes some connection in terms of her reading with the Quran, with the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and with the good stories. Even though the child is in the womb, reading aloud, remembering the Quran, reciting it, sharing the stories, indeed would enable the child to develop that kind of uh, psychology that would help him or her in the developmental stages. And then after the birth comes the issue of how to, you know, to nurture that child. And he goes into the physical aspects of when to start breastfeeding and when to start uh, feeding other food and all those kind of things. And then when the child is about two, then he says that that is where you start imparting the values that you think are essential and important for his growth or her growth. He then says that the most important thing is that you present yourself as a role model to that child. The parents or the members of the family who come in contact with the child is the one who have to give that uh, kind of role model to that child. And he quotes the verse of the Quran which says, The child develops the faculties of listening, 
contemplating, comprehending, and seeing. Even at that small age, he is observing. And many of the behavioral scientists, many of those who are uh, working on child psychology tell us that uh, by the time a child is five years of age, his or her personality is complete by observing things around them, by imbibing the values, by uh, implanting the values that he or she is witnessing all around. And Imam Qayyam al-Jawzi also tells us that that is a time when the parents have to offer themselves as role models. And how that is done? He says the most important thing is that you give time to children. Regardless of how busy you are and regardless of how intense you are in your work, it is your responsibility to ensure that you devote time to play, to be with the child, to be with him or her most of the time. The mother is usually with them, but in the cultures where both are working, often the children are given in the uh, care of the others, nannies and nurses and all others. Perhaps that is something that one has to look very carefully that how that can be replaced and the parents can assume that responsibility that God has given to them. Yes, if it's a matter of survival, then it's something different. But when it is something that is done primarily to complement and supplement the income, then the priorities have to be settled. And in that respect, uh, the child, because the parents are the ones responsible for bringing that child into the world, it is their primary responsibility to ensure that they give them time and they offer their own character as an example for the child to observe and to see. The, the third thing that uh, Al-Qayyim al-Jawzi says, that uh, one should never yell and shout at children. It's very important because sometimes we hear that uh, children can be spanked. We hear that if, uh, you know, there are certain traditions that tell us that uh, if the child does not follow you in certain matters pertaining to the prayers or pertaining to other things, you have a right to hit that child. He challenges that notion. He says that uh, a child at that age should never be yelled, should never be shouted, should never be hit. Because that distorts the personality from the very beginning. He then says that the concepts of the Quran, the ideas that we heard in what Luqman was saying, should be imparted in simple language through things that a child can observe and can relate to. Whether it is the concept of God, it is the concept of prophets, it's the concept of concept of moral values that should the child should be slowly exposed to that. Because when he realizes that why he is doing something, then he would have 
more interest in doing that rather than simply doing it for the sake of uh, uh, you know obliging parents he says that the child has very sensitive feeling and his self esteem should never be compromised the Quran very clearly says that the dignity of human being is important and that dignity should always be respected. But in terms of child, he says that from the very first day that you think that the child is responding to you through contacting with through eyes or trying to say something, then make sure that uh, his self or her self-esteem is never compromised. That means that uh, he is not shouted that he's not looked down upon, that he is not humiliated, that he's not compared with anyone else, that he is given the sense that he is the dearest one in the eyes of the parents and in the, in, in the eyes of the family, that he has some worth, that he belongs, that he is part of them. And that happens when, you, when one gives time. He then says that the communication is also very important. And when com you communicate with the, the child, you ensure that you communicate keeping in mind the future development of his character or her character. How you should speak with, address that person. How should be your tone in relation to his uh, relations with others. How would you like him to talk to you when he grows up? That is where it is settled. The way you speak in a language which is respectful, not in a language which basically sees the child in a different context. So respectful language, communication. Communication in terms of paying full attention that when he is trying to get your attention, you should give full attention to that child. Now he's saying that all these things in the 12th century, you know, at a time when, uh, you know, based on, on his understanding of the behavioral sciences and the physical sciences at that particular time, and now certainly much more development has taken place. So if one has to develop uh, new ways of uh, uh, handling this issue, then one has to definitely look to that because this is what the Quran's intent is. Quran's intent is not just to recite and say that the Quran gives the answer, but how the Quran gives the answer, and the answer is given that you go to those empirical sciences that human beings have learned through experiences over centuries, and then apply that within the context of the Quranic message. And this is exactly what Ibn Qayyim al-Jawzi did. He then also says that uh, uh, parents should be flexible. They should not be strict and very hard. Yes, they should set the rules. But those rules would come at a time when the child is in a position to understand what you are communicating through words, when he could also express because if you try to impose the rules of strictness at that particular time when he is able to comprehend and he or she is able to say, then there would be complications in communication and there would be issues that may arise from there. So he says 
that uh, uh, parents should be flexible at that from the time then the ch when the child is starting to speak uh, to the time when he has spoken and he says that when he's he starts speaking use the essential Quranic terminology like the words Allah, like the word Prophet, like the word of uh, Jannah, like the word of uh, you know character, all those things, so that he becomes familiar when he becomes, uh, a, a, you know, a, a, when he goes into the age where he can comprehend and understand. The eighth thing that Al-Qayyim al-Jawzi is saying that the child should feel unconditional love. Even when he makes mistakes, your love should overcome your distance or your wrath towards him. There, should, there is no reason to have any wrath, to have any anger. Even when a child is not doing things that you expect him to do, you give him time or give her time. And then move in that particular direction. And then he comes to the time when the child is fully grown up in the sense that he is now speaking, he is now ob observing things, he is now saying, expressing. That is the time when, the, when he says that you should introduce to him the bigger concepts of the Qur'an, values of the Qur'an, ideals of the Qur'an, and try to answer him questions about why he is doing before he asks that. So there should be a rationale. It is not that because I am a parent, my child has to listen to me. And this is what I want. You have to explain to him why is he understanding Islam? Why are we Muslims? In a language, in a manner that he or she can understand. Through stories, through examples, whatever. Whatever a parent feels. Now this is all happening before he has started going to school. This is all happening before he has been exposed to formal education. Once he develops that understanding that this is the reason that he is learning all those kind of uh, values, then many of the questions that he would have when he would become young, when he would be a youth, when he would have exposure to all other things around the world, the answers would be in his mind because those answers have already, be already been given to him. Or even if those answers have not been given to him, then he would have that methodology that he has subconsciously has imbued in his mind when he was growing up. And it is in that particular context the Qiyam says that as a time when you start is introducing to him the, the ideas of uh, and values of the Quran in a systematic manner. That first thing that he says, the issue of accountability. Because if he understands the idea of accountability, then that would impact his life from the childhood until the, the, the youthful age and all the old age. 
that how does this concept of accountability works in context with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in the context of other people, in the context of family, in the context of siblings and all those things. That is the fundamental concept that he is placing emphasis. He says that uh, that is an idea that should be introduced first because you have already exposed to him to the word of God, to the ideas of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to the ideas of Prophet. Now is the time to explain this question of accountability and then substantiate that with the verses of the Quran that emphasize on that. So he is talking of gradual memorization of the Quran or tilawa of the Quran and the tilawa in the Quran is mentioned in the context of following what you are reading. It is not just simple reading. It is following what you are reading. You know, tala means that following what you are reading as we see in one of the verses of the Quran which says that the moon is following the sun. So it is in that particular context he says that the accountability and then the verses that relate to accountability in a manner that is. And then afterwards the importance of learning and importance of acquire, acquiring knowledge. And in that respect he raises a very interesting issue. He says that uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in reference to Adam alayhi salatu wasalam, and in this particular context, he's saying it is not only about Adam alayhi salatu wasalam, but humanity as a whole, that wa'allama Adam al-asma'u kullaha. And he means by that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given human beings the ability to acquire knowledge that he has created and that he has given access to human beings. The importance of knowledge. The the, and the ability of a human being to acquire that particular knowledge. And this is exactly what we find in the history of Muslim people that uh, and Ibn Qayyim al-Jawzi himself is a testimony of that. By the time he was seven years of age, he had uh, acquired proficiency in the language as well as in mathematics as well as in the memorization of the Quran as well as in the Haq Hadith at the age of seven because he saw his parents who was also a principal uh, his father uh, and who formed that school of Al-Jawzi to, to uh, follow what he was told and then not only in the case of Ibn al-Qayyim al-Jawzi, but many others who came before him and after him. We find that by the time they were 8 and 12, and even in our times we find there are, there are children who by the time of 8 or 12 or 6 or 4 or even 10, acquire things that many people take years and years to uh, comprehend. It is in that particular context that we should see what he's saying Alhamdulillah salatu wa salam ala rasulihil kareem khadam al-anbiya wal-mursaleen inna allaha wa malaikatahu yusalluna ala nabi ya ayuhal lazina amanu sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima 
اللهم صل على سيدنا مولانا محمد وعلى ال محمد كما صليت على ابراهيم وعلى ال ابراهيم انك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على محمد وعلى ال محمد كما باركت على ابراهيم وعلى ال ابراهيم انك حميد مجيد so the moral of what we discussed and what has been presented here is that if in our times we want to develop a program to nurture and raise our children in a responsible manner we have to collectively do it we have to make use of the existing sciences and its existing research in behavioral and natural sciences to understand the child psychology with physiology and the parental responsibility and parental psychology and it is in that particular context we have to see that right from the time when the child is conceived and then when he goes to the germinal stage and then what we call embryonic stage and the fetal stage we have to ensure that uh, the tarbiya we have to ensure that the raising is done in a manner which is in line with the values and with the ideas of islam so that we could contribute to the creation and to the development of a personality that is responsible and that refers to the quranic message let us pray to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he enables us to lead a life based on the values of the quran and based on the teachings of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار إباد الله إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعيذكم لعلكم تذكرون ولا ذكر الله تعالى أعلى وأولى وأهم وأكبر أقم الصلاة